So the story I'm about to tell you actually tells you about the first time that I heard anything about Unitarian Universalism. It's not really about that. Because when I was 10 years old, my older sister married a Unitarian Universalist. And what it meant for me was this. We could finally get a Christmas tree. You see, I was able at the age of 10 to then persuasively argue with my parents, culturally Jewish as we were, but not terribly spiritually or religiously Jewish. I was able to argue and say, see, we are an interfaith family, so the Christmas tree, that's ours. <laughs> they said, okay. And they got us the shortest, scrawniest, most Charlie Browniest, looking Christmas tree that ever was. I mean, you hung one ornament on it and the thing just sort of drooped <laughs> to this side. So you needed to balance it out on the other side. But it meant a lot to me. All this is to say that even though I had a very half-baked, and to be honest, actually, it was probably more like a quarter-baked Jewish identity, some parts of the tradition did stay with me, especially this night. And it is this is that the practice in Judaism, all throughout the many traditions of Judaism, is that the holidays, the holy days, always start on the eve. Erev, Yom Kippur. Hanukkah starts on the first night, not the first day. They begin at sundown. This is a habit of my upbringing and of the tradition in which I was born. But even more, it's a habit of my heart. Because I believe that what is sacred arrives first and foremost in our lives under the cover of darkness. Nighttime is a sacred time, a still time, a time when mysteries are a little bit more likely to reveal themselves, revealed outside of the glare of the day. It's also a time when maybe, just maybe, we're ready to step beyond a little bit of what we know into that unknown that we don't know yet. And you hear that voice of stepping into the unknown in tonight's two readings from Luke, Mary and the shepherds. What's their reaction? Fear. They are afraid. And growing up in a tradition that really didn't say anything about angels at all, I thought this is an odd thing. Because the first I ever heard of angels was that they were a Valentine's Day baby. They came and they shot you with Cupid's little arrow and made you fall in love or fall smitten. And little cherubs that they were, they had rosy red cheeks and just made everything around them completely happy. But the connection between angels and fear really came home to me a number of years ago when I saw Angels in America. You remember that Tony Kushner play and then it was made into a TV show as well? Well, in Angels in America, there's one character who's fevered, laying in bed, very, very sick. And he has a vision, a dream in this state. And in comes Emma Thompson, looking like a goddess, swooping in, tearing the roof off of his house, literally ripping and shaking the house to its foundations, looking fierce and talking really strange. In this situation, the angels we have heard on high actually might want to make us hide our heads under the bed, cowering, saying, I want to just go back to life as normal. No greater purpose for me, thank you. Angels take flight elsewhere. The truth of that scene in Angels America is exactly as the truth of the scene is 
in the biblical reading for tonight. Our fears and our dreams, our fears and our dreams, they arrive in the dark and often together. They are partners very often in a new creation, the new creation that is our world, creating itself all the time, recreating itself all the time, the new creation that is our lives, particularly at those times when we are struggling. I have a good friend right now. He's leading his own Christmas Eve service in his Unitarian Universalist congregation tonight, and his wife is ready to give birth literally at any minute. She is just ready to pop, and they are so excited But underneath that excitement, there is that fear that I hear from all new parents, all my friends who are going through this right now, that fear that asks implicitly, can we handle this? Will we be able to deal with this? It is both completely natural to be afraid when new life visits us, and it is also absolutely necessary that we find that life beyond our fears. Why? Why is it necessary to be afraid and also necessary to go beyond fear? Well, because we have to remember that at the center of the Christmas story is that little infant there in the manger. He is lying there, not able to be afraid, not able to speak, certainly not anywhere near yet at all being able to preach or teach. He is just trying to be, trying to take his first breath and the breath after that and then the breath after that. And that child like all children, speaks the most powerful promise that we know as human beings. And it is so powerful because it is amazingly potent. And at the same time, it is absolutely helpless. You who are parents know this. Your child, before they have any words, say to you, I am here. I can't do anything yet. Not much of it. I need you to love me. Or I cannot be. I will not thrive, I will not live. My favorite movies the last few years, some of you have heard me preach on it before, is Ratatouille. Go back and see it again. Don't dismiss it as a cartoon. It's fantastic. Well, the critic turned fan in that movie. He has this great line. He says, the new needs friends. The new thing needs friends. Or it won't survive. It won't thrive. And I have to tell you, nothing cuts the fears of the ties that bind our kinship one to each other, each to each other, more than fear cuts the ties that bind. So whatever your feelings tonight about Jesus, whatever your feelings at all, mystery, oddity, curiosity, teacher, Messiah, guru, and at some point in my wayward religious life that has finally found a home, Jesus has been all of these things at one point or another. To me, what I love about the Jesus story and the Christmas story is that he arrives in life absolutely dependent, absolutely in a state of need, absolutely unable to become who he will become without love, without those ties that bind. He is dependent upon the kindness of strangers his very first night in the world. And you see, whether they're the shepherds or the magi or Mary or Joseph or anyone else there in that manger, if they, if they are overcome by fear, they will not be able to see the miracle of what's going on in their midst. They won't give the hope and the new life and the love that new life needs if it's going to grow, if they are fearful. As it was with them 2,000 years ago, 
So it is with all of us here tonight. I believe so deeply that fears and dreams are partners now in so many of our lives. Perhaps we're afraid tonight that our country faces threats that might cause it to just fold, lose its greatness. And maybe we have a dream that our nation is so resilient and again is being tested and will reveal its worth. Maybe tonight you are afraid. I know this is a reality for some of you. Maybe tonight you are afraid that your job will disappear, if not tomorrow, maybe the day after that, or the day after that, or the day after that, and you are concerned, concerned how you will provide or be provided for. And then we also have the dream at the same time, that ultimately our net worth, our true net base worth, is not determined by how much we earn, is not determined by our pay grade. Maybe you're afraid tonight, as we all are from time to time, that the love we have and the love we share and the love we give is not enough. At the same time, maybe you also have the dream that love can conquer all and that love is ultimately indeed all we need, as those prophets said back in the 60s. See, fear alerts us that something is happening here. That something important needs to be paid attention to. But only the dreamers can meet the opportunity that fear presents and show up and bring their full selves to life. Christmas has a good word for us. Yes, us as Unitarian Universalists. Because we, all of us as a species, we dream in the dark. It is a good word, not because the birth of Jesus is beyond us, as some would want to say. It is a mystery completely, and it is the only thing like it to ever happen, and unless you pay complete attention to it, you will be lost. It is not that it is beyond us. The birth of Jesus instead is between us and amongst us and like us and as common as our breath and as intimate as our touch. Tonight, we don't celebrate something unique. There are those who want to say, unless you agree that the birth of Jesus is unlike anything else unprecedented in the history of all in humankind, then you will be missing the point. We don't say it's unique. Instead, we say something better here tonight. We say that the birth of Jesus is universal. It is shared between us and with us and amongst us. For those who will say that God or Jesus or anyone ought ultimately to play favorites or choose sides. We know that we have a different and better message to share with the world that will not continue to tear our world apart. See, in the reading for tonight, one part that I did not share with you, it really lays out the difference about as starkly as you can hear it. In the gospel tradition, as it continues on, there are two different versions of that blessing in Luke. It continues, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to all, all of goodwill. Peace to all of goodwill. And then there's a different version to that same gospel reading. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to whom, all whom God favors. There's a real difference there. There is a real difference there. And being that we're here in a Unitarian Universalist congregation tonight, and the stress is on the Universalist part, it is indeed peace to all of goodwill. Peace to all of you. 
Everyone, everywhere, no exceptions. That is the only way that the meaning of Christmas is fulfilled. Not that everyone believes in the truth or the non-truth of what happened, but that the blessing of the night extends to everyone. See, for the same life force that birthed Jesus, it is our life force and between us right now. The same dream that could not find room in the inn, but found at least some comfort in the manger. It continues to invite all of us to gather. And the same love that raised him, that same love, whatever you call it, it continues to raise all of us. That is the peace. That is the message. That is the blessing of this night and the day tomorrow. And I want to invite you, live in its blessing. Let its grace wash over you. May you be at peace. Amen and Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. I love working impromptu, so it's cool. Let's join our hearts in prayer. God of the new creation, which is the creation right here and right now, and of birth and of awakenings, let us find the blessing of this Christmas night in our lives, in our midst, between us and amongst us, knowing that the blessing of this night is not found in denying our reason or denying our very selves. The blessing of this night is found in answering the call of love when it calls upon us, The blessing of this night is found in living lives of loving kindness, the kind of peace that knows no one single tradition, but is practiced each and every day. So let Christmas dwell in our midst. Let us share it and let us be blessed by its love. Amen.